Well, it's beginning to look a lot like something. Some kind of pagan holiday, perhaps. Where the hell's my brother when you need him? Is this thing on? This is Big Green. Here we are, another holiday. This is Big Green, the podcast. Back for another December. We've got a great show ahead for you today. Another episode of Net Trek. <laughs> Pretty interesting one. Starring Rick Santorum. Everyone remembers him, right? Very Christmassy. Whole brace of Christmas songs sung by famous people. Not us. A little tribute to an old friend. Talk more about that later. Plenty of Christmas joy up ahead, so stay tuned! Season's greetings. This is Dr. Carl Sagan. Standing in for Lee Majors, who is normally settled with the introduction of this farcical program. I understand that Lee is busy this month, supposedly with his own stupid and improbable show. More likely, he just can't be bothered to make the 15-minute limousine ride over to the studio from his opulent Hollywood mansion. Regarding his show, how exactly a nuclear-powered arm could enable an otherwise normal human to lift something as heavy as a car is never explained. Does he have a skeletal structure reinforced with steel? Any family physician worth his salt will tell you that a person lifts with his back as much as with his arms. You can have the most powerful hydraulic lift in the world grafted onto your shoulder, but without a solid frame that can also bear the weight, you might as well be using a rubber band powered noodle so stay tuned to this channel for an all-new episode of Ned Trek. This is their Christmas special. Should be a real humdinger. Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the Starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length, um, until we're cancelled, I guess, to seek out strange new commodities, exploitable alien workforces, to brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. Captain Willard, there's a Priority One subspace message coming in from Starfleet's command. It's Commodore Mitch McConnell again. 
Is it just me, or does it seem like all messages from Starfleet are priority one these days? What happened to the days when they'd occasionally transmit priority five messages, and they'd be comprised of soft news items, like that piece about the daredevil guy that did a space tightrope walk between the rings of Saturn? I mean, he died so hilariously. Anyhow, if all the messages are going to be priority one, what's the sense of having them coded at all? <laughs> Tell me about it. I'm still bemoaning the retirement of our color-coded alert system. Now we only have red and yellow alerts, and none of the prettier hues. Granted, I was never quite sure what to do in the event of a burnt umber alert, except maybe send some lesser officer to see if our precious umber supply was on fire. <laughs> While you two are regaling the bridge crew with your best Annie Rooney impersonations, we've got a Starfleece Commodore waiting on hold, listening to Confederate Christmas music. Ah, Mickey Rooney. How he used to bring a happy crease to our wholesome plastic faces. <laughs> Put him on the big screen, Mr. Ned, just as soon as the Hallelujah Banjo Chorus is finished. That's a favorite of mine, and I trust of the Commodores as well. You can knock it off with a pandering, Willard. The South only voted for you in a block because you were running against a black guy. That's not going to happen again, no matter how many banjo players your campaign hires. Here's Commodore McConnell on screen, Captain. I say, Captain, let me do the festive greeting. That is to the Commodore Colonel. Merry two weeks before Christmas, Commodore McConnell. And may your Christmas be one of peace and good fellowship. And may it grant you renewed strength to bludgeon to death whoever says different. Amen. Romney? Why'd you keep me waiting on hold on that scanner phone device for so long? Didn't your communication officer tell you that this message was priority one? Mean and urgent? <laughs> as urgent as Christmas and Dixie? Well, no. Well, now, just wait a darn minute. Yes, it has everything to do with Christmas. And a fiendish counterinsurgency being mounted against it. Oh, boy. Will this be a bombing affair, Commodore? If so, I've got a line of some... Devastating new cluster bombs that are perfect for all occasions, especially right for this festive time of year. I'm heavily invested in the company that produces them, so I know they'll do the job for me, that is, whether they work or not. I can vouch for the fact that firebombs make excellent Christmas gifts, but thankfully they're not Christmas-specific. In my day, we give them out throughout the year. Well, that's all very interesting, I'm sure, Mr. Nixon. But my task is to give you, Captain Romney... And your crew the particulars of a top-secret mission. Starfleet needs you to go undercover and infiltrate the rebel force on the planet Noel Ball 9. Wasn't that the Christmas planet that Captain Rick Santorum set up almost a century ago? Well, not exactly. You see, Santorum Christma formed an already existing Earth colony on Noel Ball. The Confederation deemed it necessary, since the colony's religious traditions were becoming increasingly secularized. The Noel Malshans started seeing things like happy holidays to each other, and otherwise cut and corporate Jesus right out of the picture. Well, if the colony was degenerating into atheistic communist degenerates, why not just blast them? A single photon torpedo sent smashing into their dome could have done the trick. The planet's poisonous atmosphere would have taught them the real meaning of Christmas, and very inexpensively. Well, that's what the faith communities back on Earth thought, too. They wanted us to blow a hole in the atmospheric dome and then be done with it. Bye, Cracky. 
You know, but the even more religious corporations like GZAC Industries and Christon Oil had lots of holy investments under that there dome. And so they lobbied the Confederation for a more business-friendly Christian option. Of course. And so Santorum was brought in to chrismaform the colony, and all the attractive military options were put on hold. <laughs> what I'm telling you is confidential and top secret, but everybody pretty much knows it already. Did you folks know that chrismaforming makes significant alterations to a planet's calendar? Specifically, it makes every other day Christmas. Well, what are the alternate days, then? Those would be Christmas Eve, of course. You need to have shopping days, don't you? <laughs> and I would imagine that the upper classes would be able to continue shopping even on the most holy day, since the average Joe Slop Pack workers are more than happy to continue serving their betters on that day of all days. For instance, sometimes we need them to sell our domestic servants a new coal scuttle. I think that I'm beginning to understand the economics of this. Those Confederate companies that are active on the planet would be perpetually in the black since Christmas is the time of year when so many corporations make most of their profits. Commodore, are you telling us that the Confederation can't find anyone more suited to infiltrate the no-abolition rebels than the crew of the Free Enterprise? Isn't this a job for special ops or for Confederate intelligence or even a team of chimps wearing intelligence jumpers? Yeah. Well, something like that. We try to tap the crew of the U.S. Kasich. They're mostly chimps, but wouldn't you know, all their uniforms were in the laundry. I see. That's what I call most peculiar. What about their space briefs? All in the laundry. Anyhow, we can't wait on them whether or not they have the proper training to successfully carry out this most sensitive assignment. We're willing to go with complete nincompoops as long as they look respectable. <laughs> I thought I heard a call to serve couched there in that last sentence. Mr. Ned, take and see if my passport to the French space colony of Jerry Louis is all in order. <laughs> There's no need to go all cowardly Mormon yelling at us, Captain. You be in no danger down there. Most of the population is so hopped up on Christmas sugar ham that they can't harm nobody no how. They're all in a constant state of non-alcoholic abstinence-only exuberance down there. They're not going to notice you and your people. All you have to do is blend in with them as best you can and try to find some of those insurgents. Very well, Commodore, sir. <laughs> we'll beam down to the planet and find that detergent for you. I see, I see. No, Captain. The Colonel said insurance, not detergent. Hey, you know, I think my cousin Forrest Ramtoad sells him some insurance. That is, if you're all interested in roping into policy. I think that I glimpsed his space jalopy turning into the hog vent nebula. A few million miles back yonder. Willard, he said insurgents. You know, insurrectionists, rioters, revolutionaries, guerrillas. Stop it, Ned. You're confusing him even more. I see. That's all I had to hear. Get my musket. I'll bring you back some gorilla hide moccasins. And perhaps a change purse made from their aboriginized goonads. Did anyone ever actually see this guy's medical degree? Commodore, you're not really going to let this play out to its natural conclusion, are you? Why, well, of course I am. I'm a conservative. There's no room in my philosophy for any kind of self-doubt, self-reflection, or early morning repentance. Good luck and may the corporate god of the galaxy bless this illegal operation. Merry Christmas to you, too, sir. 
I can hardly wait to get a gander at those gorilla hides. I think that Grizzly and Ghastly, the fur-trading subsidiary of Bane Galactic, may be able to turn them around pretty quick. They'll make great Christmas gifts. Is that my imagination? But are you guys even stupider and more bizarre than normal today? Wait a minute. Gifts. Great idea, Captain. That's how we can infiltrate the insurgency. We'll all just pretend to be gifts. We can have ourselves beam down the chimney of those anti-Christmas rebels on Noel Ball. We might have to wait under a tree for a few hours. But in the morning, after they unwrap us, surprise! We can shoot them in the back, and then the planet will be safe again for Christmas. Christmas is their only holiday, and practically their only day down there, Pearl. Doesn't anyone listen to what senior officers say anymore? <laughs> ah, Christmas time! Last year, a few of our Latino day laborers were camping out on our front lawn. They were just standing around in a woodshed not doing any work, and thought that they just weren't used to New England winters, even though I think we were at our California house. Still, standing still is the worst thing that they can do to fight the cold. <laughs> you have to watch those hombres like a hawko, even on the most holy day, otherwise certain things around my ranchero will just never get done. What are you talking about, Willard? This better be the setup for a song. That's all I could say. Jesus, I distinctly told you. Move your braceros off my private lawn. You'll find guests are soon arriving. Work them indoors until my party's gone. Make that Christmas Inspection Pull the 
finished now? Can we go back to planet strategy for our mission? Well, one of us came up with a really super idea to pretend to be toys and then have ourselves gifted to the insurgents on no ball. Oh, yeah, it was me that had that idea. It's no wonder that I liked it. Captain, we just entered into orbit around planet Noel Ball 9. <laughs> wow, I must be a better commander than I thought. I don't even remember giving the order to set course for that planet. With such innate leadership qualities, it's a wonder that I never served in higher office. And I mean really high office. Willard, I gave the order while you were still singing your stupid song. What a waste of time that was. Well... Since we're lacking any real viable plan, I guess we'll have to consider implementing pearls, which is about as god-awful as anyone could expect. There's nothing awful about it, or about God. Now, I think that most of us here would be able to become quite convincing toys with just a minimal amount of costuming and makeup. I see. There's no way that I'm going to consent to being painted up like some kind of mamby-pamby, scissified, painted-up toy boy. Never fear, Doc. Even Michelangelo couldn't paint you out of being what you truly are. An incompetent, ignorant fool of a cracker. At best, our only hope is that a few of us could make convincing misfit toys. Why, I think that Mr. Nixon would make a wonderful misfit toy. We can give him to some deserving heir of a rich industrialist. Imagine his delight in receiving a conservative robot President Nixon, particularly one that squirts jelly. I tell you, I am not a toy. I'm just an android that sometimes squirts a jelly-like lubricating fluid from a top-secret port. Mr. Ned, you can be a horse that rides an ostrich. I say such an unholy configuration can do nothing less than usher in the end of times. How about a military strategist that's afraid of war, Pearl? Well, I'm only afraid of it when it comes to jeopardizing my own personal safety. I'm fine with the abstraction of it, and I'm double fine with the cash windfall that it can convey to me. It also looks like you've got a caboose with square wheels under your pants. Hey. Now how about a doctor that can't practice medicine? I preach the gospel. I say I don't know the difference between a tarsus bone and corn bone, except in that you could use one to stir up the other some. Wait, wait. Scrub the misfit toy plan. I've got a better plan. The captain's song gave it to me. We can cobble together a life-size nativity scene, with all of us playing the parts of different characters. It'd be great. We can all stand there all stiff like statues and just watch for people that don't pay us the proper respect or listen for people that say Happy Holidays instead of Merry Christmas. When that happens, we can just blast them in the back. <laughs> you know, the first Christmas was all about money and commodities. I mean... How long do you suppose it took for the baby Jesus to get that murder consignment turned around? Probably not too long. <laughs> he was well-connected even at that tender age. I think that he borrowed money from his father to get his business started. You know, I think he also sold Frankenstein to our people in the first of many holy transactions. Captain Willard, I think that we should probably beam down to the planet now. The director is going to start the next scene without us. The funny thing is... It will probably turn out better that way. Very good, Mr. Ned. We'll cut the scene here and get right over to the planet set. <laughs> Wait a minute. I have a Christmas song to sing before we go. It should fit in here about as good as anywhere. Touch to let follow that search. Oh, 
horrible people have a horrible lord and they're talking about his birthday party well i'm not gonna pay attention if they invited me if they did Baked up into organ pies That's what Christmas time means To the channel It's just a human-centric kind of thing And it's sad Let us be the first to tell you That they never want to smell you Unless you're cooking It's a human's only function city. I reckon I've never seen so many churches, and all the public buildings are surrounded by sparkling plastic angels of truth. Will you just look at how the lights of the heavenly corporate father are festooning even the shabbiest den of iniquity down here. Could you beam down into a different universe than us or something? This is an alleyway, and it's pitch dark. He's just looking with the eyes of past attachment at some idyllic scene of unparalleled Christmas beauty. (laughs) <laughs> well, what do you say we walk out of this alley and see if we can find some of those wildebeests? You mean to say gorillas, Willard, not wildebeests. <laughs> yes, let's get the safari underway. Lead on, Lieutenant Anjumbo. Look, Captain. It's a man that looks like a pasty-faced mannequin, and he's coming over to us. Should we get ready to shoot him in the back? My God, if he would only turn around... 
Hold your water, Pearl. Let's see what he wants. We did come here on a special ops mission, you know. We're not just here to shoot everybody and then run away and cower in some corner. I haven't cowered in a corner all week for your information. But Ned, this is a mannequin man. What could he possibly want from us? Well, we're about to find out. So keep quiet. And Captain Willard, try not to. Well, just try not to act like yourself. Ask questions, but try to do it in a way that doesn't give our whole game away. Remember, we're pretending to be insurrectionists that are themselves pretending to be normal, patriotic, no abolition citizens. We need to pump this guy for information. Now go to work. <laughs> gotcha! Merry Christmas, friends. Come down here for the festival, eh? <laughs> What if we have? Well, then I reckon you need a place to sleep it off afterwards, eh? What if we will? My daddy can put you up for the night. He lives over there in that place. What if he does? Willard, knock it off. Your act is so weird that even this guy is starting to notice. It sounds like there's something wrong with your friend here. Maybe you should take him over to the doctor's place. It's over there. But you better hurry. It's almost the Christmas hour. What if it is? <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess I'll knock that off for a while. Christmas festival. Christmas festival. Christmas festival. Christmas festival! Christmas festival! <laughs> this is right. They've all gone off their space nut. What if they are? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I keep forgetting. Captain, we have to get out of here now. Christmas celebrations of this intensity can get us all killed. I say no. This is good and wholesome. It's a Christmas riot. The best kind of riot there is. Except for the tea party kind. This is all inspired by the birth of our Lord. Witness how they are all alive with the spirit. Just look at them destroy the evil in the town. They're destroying the evil in the town. They also seem to be destroying the not quite so evil and the possibly partially good. They're going to destroy us if we don't get out of here. Let's run. Very well, Mr. Pearl. <laughs> run for your lives. <laughs> Gee whiz, that was a close one. Couldn't they just celebrate by having a big Christmas tree in the center of town or something? I understand now, Captain. This is fascinating. We see here a unique opportunity to examine what happens to humans when they are forced to celebrate religious holidays every day of their lives. We know now they go bonkers. Flip city. Just think of that mannequin guy that we were talking to. You don't think that he was born looking and talking like that, do you? No, he's the direct result of someone being forced to celebrate holidays, day in and day out, every day for a hundred years. He's worse than dead. His brain is munch. For once you and I agree, Mr. Ned, that guy has had his wits scrambled by Christmas. I think we can assume that the entire civilization has as well, which means that the whole thing is a total loss down here. 
We should try to convince the Confederation to allow us to just destroy the whole place and never mind the special ops mission. Wow, what a relief. I like it much better when we can just sit up on the comfortable bridge and blow up things remotely and safely. Every other episode of this show have to be a stinking musical now. Did the producer somehow think that it wasn't stupid enough already? I say, you two are none of the Christmas Jesus body. I never noticed it before, but you, sir, are a demon. A talking beast sent by Beelzebub to destroy the Christmas world. And you, sir, are even worse. A Jew. One of Jesus' sworn television enemies. Lawgivers! Lawgivers! <laughs> I think that I may have just lost my place in the script, Mr. Ned. What page is the doc on? He's on his own page as usual. Listen, Reverend Doctor, you're going a bit off the reservation here. And for you, that's really saying something. Captain, I recommend that the doc be beamed back to the ship. He can possibly find something to do in his sick bay. That is, if he knows how to get to that deck. 
I think that the stress is starting to addle what's left of his tiny brain. I agree, sir. If you're not going to call this whole thing off like I recommend, then you should at least have the doctor removed back to the ship. I mean, it's not that I have a problem with his rhetoric. It's more his style. I've got enough of his spit on me now to qualify as a slimy mollusk-type life form. It's no fun. Can perhaps Mr. Welsh also beam down some paper towels? I see. I apologize. I don't know what got into me. Maybe it's this here planet, or the fact that it's Christmas. I shouldn't be stating my true beliefs in front of this here microphone, Gidget. I'll go back to this ship now, sir, as ordered. I'll watch what's happening from the god seat. Free Enterprise? Free Enterprise? Wonder beam up there. Aye, aye, Doc. We've got you. Captain Romney, a strange little man is walking down the hall towards us. Hey, where's my wallet? Oh, here it is. Now, Willard, try to play it cool. In other words, not like the awkward stuffed shirt that you normally are. Merry Christmas greetings to you, strangers. Have you come in from out of town in order to secure a room to spend your Christmas morning? That is after you fully participate in the mandatory Christmas Eve celebration that's taking place outside right now as we speak. Willard, this guy has to be one of the insurrectionists. Nobody else on this planet could possibly talk like that. Let's lead him on a bit. Tread carefully, though. You don't want to spook him. Right. Ah, uh, hello, good citizen. What a charming place you have here. <laughs> and what a charming planet overall. I can't believe it. You spoke without first acknowledging the Christmas holiday. You couldn't possibly be of the Christmas body. Good going, Willard. You just broke your own record and screwed up our mission in less than ten seconds. Let me try. Merry Christmas, my good man. Merry Christmas. You see, my friend here is obviously suffering from an acute brain fever, which is, of course, the reason why we had to usher him away from the, um, lively yuletide festivities taking place outside your venerable abode. You are rather verbose and formal, aren't you, friend? You also appear to be kind of a donkey or a horse, if you don't mind me saying. (laughs) That's right. And a Merry Christmas to you and your good wife and family. That is, if you have one. And assuming they weren't killed in an unfortunate but, but likely justified Christmas melee. Our friend here was just certified by a real doctor to be a little, shall we say, mental... Unfortunately, the doctor had to leave. He was needed on board the spaceship. A spaceship? Thanks, Pearl. I mean, Captain Clueless has an excuse. He was born without a brain. But you, you're just fat. Captain, did you hear what that horse just said? (laughs) Now, boys, let's try to get our special ops assignment back on track here. We need to all pull together, or we'll most surely pull apart. I gotta make a note of that. Spaceships, special ops forces, I cannot believe my ears. Are you people Santorans? <laughs> what if we were? Sweet Jesus crumb cake. Well, if you were, 
Then I'd shut up pretty quick and probably try to get a good head start on ripping out my own brain. Since that's what I'd be in for if the Christmas law enforcers ever get a hold of me. They'd turn me into a toy and use me as a Christmas tribute to their holy mascot, the one saying Tiny Tim. <laughs> you know, I've pretended to go all kinds of different places in this galaxy where I've met up with all manner of different people. I've seen many different customs, all of them usually an unimaginative derivative of something that takes place back on our own fatherland. But I've never encountered anything like this before. For here it seems that the people give their gifts to Santa instead of the other way around. He said Santani Tim Willard, that's Santa. Mr. Laurie, we are anti-Yuletide insurgents. We've been holed up in the hills for 15 years, just making plans and doing other stuff that rebels do in the hills, like cleaning our guns and playing cards and arguing about what kind of liquor goes into making a Sierra Madre, which is some kind of cocktail. Hey, I knew that you folks weren't from around here. We don't have any horses in the colony, well, except for Bob, but he's mostly invisible. I also didn't think we had any hills under the dome. Are you trying to say that you come from outside? Outside of the dome? But no one has done that since Subcommander Denny and his agnostic all-green orchestra. And that was over 50 years ago. Yeah, see, um, that was us. We left our banjos, tubas, and space washboards and green face paint back at camp. So we're, like, here now, and we're aiming to rough up this Christmas bit that you gents have going down here. We don't like it, see? It's keeping us all awake, all of us up in those hills. Now why don't you supply us with all the names and addresses of all the others like yourself? You know, the communist disbelievers, the bomb throwers, the indolent sad sacks, the addicted jazz musicians, anybody like that, see? Oh my god! Um, he, I don't know anyone like that. But you know what? I believe you. A group of fellas like you would tend to stand out in a community of this size, no matter how deep your cover was. Listen, Laurie, just tell us who runs this asylum. Why, it's Governor Rickolas Santorum, of course. <laughs> ah, Rick. That's right. Back during the primaries, he did well in some of those blah states. <laughs> of course, not well enough to deprive me of my big win. I guess that he finally made something of himself out here in space. How could it be the same Santorum? He came here over a hundred years ago. Wouldn't he be dead by now? Or at least wouldn't he have had to appear to grow old and move on? So you know him? You know the governor? Of course not. It's the brain fever kicking in again. He thought that he knew the Wizard of Oz last week. It was just his space omelet. Mr. Laurie, how often do you see the governor? Does he make any public appearances? He, no and yes. He appears as a ghostly apparition in select places on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day, which are, I guess, the only two choices here. He appeared in our house about 20 Christmases ago, which was last month sometime. Oh my goodness, look at the wall. 
Just see that image becoming brighter. He's appearing again right now. The Centaurum is here. <laughs> well, I'll be. I think it may be Angel Maroney. No world is too remote and no atmosphere is too poisonous for him to keep his angelic hands off of. That's not Maroney. That's Centaurum. Or a computer projection of him anyhow. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to you one and all. You know, decades ago when I first got the idea for this Christmas planet, I thought that finally there'd be one place in the universe where the devil wasn't able to get a foothold. Where every day would be the most holy day of our Lord, or um, either that or the relatively holy day that comes right before that most holy day of our Lord. The devil tried to stop me from doing it in his attempt to stop me, he even tried to choke Earl Roberts right up there in his prayer tower. Luckily, his wife showed up unexpectedly and scared the beast off. <sighs> Folks, you know me, and you know that I wasn't going to let go of my dream no matter how many televangelists get choked. And so here I am, and here you are, and all, all around is my gift to you, which is this perpetual Christmas town. The Lord thinks this is good, and you should be sure of that, because I am here telling you that right now, that it is good. It is good indeed. Mr. Santorum, we appreciate what you've accomplished down here. But where exactly are you speaking from? Where is your headquarters in this Christmas town of towns? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me finish. When I started this Christmas forming project, I knew that right from the get-go, the ugly humanists and secular monkey worshippers were going to try to talk it down. Is he still running for something? How long is this message going to take? It is just a recorded message, isn't it? I mean, he's not interacting with us at all, really. It's like talking to Ted Cruz. I intend to leave the best parts of myself here to help guide you citizens and all the citizens of No Ball 9 to a better life, a life of perpetual Christmas joy and obedience. Let me introduce you all to your new Christmas mascot. This is my own son. He's young, but he's not too young to be tasked with the important job of keeping the true meaning of Christmas alive in all of your hearts. This is Santini Tim. What the? That's a fetus in a jar. That guy's off his rocket. <laughs> now, Ned, old Rick just feels so fervently about the sanctity of life that he's going to pawn off a few jars of his own spawn, and in doing so, try to generate some market interest in his current campaign. I think he may be running for something again. So, folks, in order to ensure that Santini Tim has the happiest of Christmases, you all... Be expected by me and by the Lord to give generously to the number that's now appearing beneath this futuristic computer projection. With one credit, with ten credits, with a hundred thousand credits, with one million credits, whatever you can afford is what the Lord expects. This is a scam. He's not doing this for our Confederate corporate overlords. He's out to help himself. Who could have possibly seen that coming? But wait, there's more! With your generous contributions of Jesus trinkets and space gold, not only will I be able to continue Christmas forming and sanitizing the galaxy, but you yourself may be chosen to receive the honor of giving your own personal gift directly to Santani Tim. Make your space telecall today and have your space credit cards ready. And as Santani Tim would say, God bless us, everyone. And of course, we are the us that the Lord wants you to bless with cash. So call now. Call now. The projection is fading. <laughs> Darn it. I hadn't gotten on that space telenumber yet. Was that truly Santorum? Oh, yeah, that was him. I keep forgetting. 
He's so strange and gloomy. Laurie, where is Sanctorum's headquarters? Ned, remember a subprime directive. If there's any chance that the Confederation is making cash out of an alien scheme, then our orders are not to interfere. That is, unless we can somehow double their earnings. That's right, Ned. <laughs> I think that it was my company's shady outsourcing deals that helped Starfleet decide on imposing that directive. If we work against it, then it kind of negates our entire reason for being here in the first place. And it would confuse the heck out of me. The subprime directive only applies in episodes that never get aired because it'd be too dark boring. Besides, this system that Santorum has rigged up here isn't meant to help anyone but Santorum. He hasn't been given a cut to the Confederation for decades now. That'd be like paying taxes or something. But what about all those corporations that Commodore McConnell talked about? The ones that are reaping sweet dividends from the perpetual Christmas economy? Use your eyes, Pearl! There's nothing but anarchy down here. All those shops and businesses that McConnell was going on about are shuttered tight or burned out. There's no money in this place, only cosmic rubble. McConnell and the Confederation must have been thinking about this place with the greed of their past attachment. Yes, but there was a time when the Christmas Fuhrer... I mean, when Governor Santorum's plan was working so well. It's true. In the beginning, all Nobolsians were so happy with the changes to our society that there were parties every day. Gifts were being purchased, given, and received, even by me. And how long did the euphoria last? I mean, the happy, normal-type euphoria, not the crazy, jumping-around, yelling, setting everything on fire-type euphoria. Ugh. Oh, not long. About a month or so, maybe. I think that was all those blinking, colorful lights. They just made everyone's brain sort of snap. Wait a minute. We have flashing, colorful lights on our ship. We're not crazy. Let's go over to Santorum's headquarters and determine just how tight a hold he has on this society. Oh no, Mr. Horse, sir. You must understand that the governor has a whole legion of festive killer robots. They are programmed to seek out and destroy all dissent. All of my fellow insurrectionists were converted into toys or they disappeared and now I am all alone. Well, no offense, Mr. Laurie, but you are a pretty horrible and disturbing character. In all likelihood, you would have been shunned anyway. I don't even like standing anywhere near you. <laughs> you know, there may just be a way that we can wrestle this nomination, or uh, I mean, this dome thing away from Santorum. Free up the workforce here and allow the citizens of Noel Ball to once again understand the true meaning of Christmas service and of a Christmas-based economy. Romney to free enterprise! <laughs> Hi, sir. Sulu here. Mr. Sulu, have the kitchen staff prepare a really big Christmas log cake. One the entire landing party can fit inside it. Um, okay, sir. I'll see to it. Sir, do you want me to wait ten minutes before I tell you that it's impossible? Or could I just go ahead and do that right now? I say, out of my way, you unholy he-she-foreign heathen man. I'm doing the yucking for this ship here now. I say, Captain, I'm already itching to launch those photon busters at those evildoer folks. 
I'll take the anti-Christmas smiles right off their agnostic noggins with exploding manna from Jesus. Hey, this is Pearl breaking in, Doc. There's been a slight change in plan. We're now aiming to aid the insurgents in bringing down the whole Santorum edifice. We've determined that it's the only way to reestablish a positive cash flow. I say, you did what the who now? Christmas lawgivers seize them. I submit myself to the will of Santorum. <laughs> Doesn't Christmas just bring out the best in some people? And constant Christmas does it constantly. Have the duck tied up in chains and throw him in the brig. Well in time on the day after Christmas for a special little treat. Um, I sir. We'll give it a try. Willard, we don't have time to wait for that stupid cake that's never gonna be made anyhow. Let's just get over to Santorum's lair and smoke him out. Let's do it before the Christmas lawgivers get onto our scent. Sounds like our own doc already tipped him off on our whereabouts, though. <laughs> Darn, I had my heart set on that log cake, but oh well. I guess I can just have it for brunch in my private brunch suite, wearing my brunch suit. <laughs> Mr. Ned, let's go to wherever we're going to. Oh my god, they found us. It's in terms of robotic Christmas law enforcer robots. Merry Christmas to all of you. You are not of the Christmas spirit. You must be deleted and then saved. But how can we be saved if we'd already been deleted? That doesn't make any sense. I don't think these robots were programmed correctly. You will be processed into toys and then gifted to our holy Christmas mascot, our dearest Santiny Jim. Oh no, see what you've got me into. Now they're going to notice me and make me into some kind of toy-making robot elf. I should have stayed in Pittsburgh. The doc must have tipped him off, all right. He may be a third-rate doctor, but he's a first-class trader. Well, it is strangely gratifying to know that he's good at something. Oh, my God, this is it. They're going to oh, kill us. And I am so young and so filled with hope and yearnings, and to think... This wasn't even one of the Imperial Ventures that I was cheerleading for. But of course, it would have been if they paid me to do it. Uh, do you think that will count for something? Hold your fears, Pearl. I'll try to talk to them. Christmas greetings to you fine robotic enforcers of the state. It's pretty cold outside under the dome today. Hey, yo. Hey, I can do that. That's classic Mormon door-to-door small talk. <laughs> Let me give it a whirl. Hi there, neighbors. Can God come into your home? What a glorious day under our Lord, the host of hostesses. And that, too, is a great company. Those moon pies. <laughs> or maybe I'm thinking of ho-hos. You know, we all share fundamental ho-ho values. We have received a new transmission from the Centaurum. Your deletion has been delayed. You are to accompany us back to the Court of Christmas Assemblies. There you will be allowed to bestow your Christmas offerings to the one sent Tiny Tim. That means we need to come up with some gifts in a hurry. Tell me, what do you give to a fetus in a jar that has everything? Hey, we can give him a few copies of my latest Neoconian space book. <laughs> I could sign over a few hundred shares of Bane Galactic, but I really don't want to. <laughs> I think that maybe I'll give him some copies of your space book too, Mr. Pearl. Pearl book? Are you guys crazy? 
They'll blast us for sure if we try to unload that stinker. What is it called, anyway? Cowardly musings of a fat coward. No, that's just what One Planet's Translated Edition was called. The publisher assured me that on the planet Cadrian 4, that works out to be the most complimentary title ever. Hey, Mr. Nixon could be regifted, couldn't he? I, I mean, we almost used him as a misfit toy earlier in this very same episode. Well, I admit, given an electronicized, egocentric, corrupt president as a gift to the dead son of an electronicized, egocentric, corrupt governor does seem strangely appropriate. <laughs> what a wonderful gift idea. Imagine on Christmas morning having your servants shuttle you to the lower deck of your space mansion to find a real electric dick in a box. Oh, what I would have done for one of those back when I was just a fetus in a jar. <laughs> Um, excuse me, gentlemen, I hate to interrupt, but I think that when the Christmas law enforcers point their long hollow wands at you, that means that they want you to start moving along. They should turn on the flashing lights on top of their helmets when they want to do that. I saw their long cardboard tubes. I thought it was just recycling that they were going to drop off at the curb while they were escorting us out. I mean, those things are just toilet paper tubes fitted together, right? Nobody uses that much toilet tissue, Pearl. Nobody normal, anyhow. Romney to Free Enterprise! Come in, Free Enterprise! Free Enterprise, come in! Sulu here, Captain. Is everything all right? <laughs> it couldn't be better, Lieutenant. Except that we may be headed off to jail or to execution again. Please beam down the President Nixon android. Have one of my yeomen take a brush to him first. And maybe have him hack a few feet off of Nixon's legs. We'll be gifting him to a fetus after all. <laughs> um, yes, sir. Do you want Mr. Stephanie E. beamed out as well? No, not this time. I'm afraid that we received a memo from the network on that score. <laughs> Seems like we're burning through the Stephanies a bit too fast for their liking. It's only a temporary inconvenience, though. For a nice tidy commission... My company put them in touch with our main suppliers and Mexilacus 3. <laughs> Senior Stefanos are a dime a dozen down there. <laughs> we can kill millions and not put a dent in them or impact our profits. They don't speak English, but that's no impediment for the type of work they'll be expected to do. And the wearing of space pants and the dying and all. <laughs> also, beam down my ruby slippers. I might have to get out of here in a hurry. You might beam down my diamond slippers, too, just in case the other ones don't start up right away. <laughs> I haven't used them in a while. Understood, sir. Somehow. Sulu out. <laughs> Mr. Nixon, it's a pleasure to have you here with us. We're just about to be arrested. Well, I guess it was just a matter of time before they caught up with me. Tony... Who was it that tipped him off? Was it John Mitchell? No, that's right, he's in jail. Was it Coulson? No, that's right, he's also in jail. Was it Ehrlichman? No, that's right. He doesn't look very much like a Christmas present. He doesn't sound like one either. Don't we have any other animatronic presidents to choose from? What about Rutherford B. Hayes? At least he has a Santa beard. Do we have any of those left? Well, I personally would have been overjoyed to receive a Nixon robot for Christmas, or for any special day, especially if it came with bombing accessories. You know, Mr. Ned, I've been called a lot of things in my long career, some names that I will not repeat here in this group of esteemed colleagues, and of course, with the Enforcer robot standing by. I want you to know that I'm all about Christmas, 
I'm going to prove it to you now. I asked myself, what would Nixon do? You can give me life, or yes, on tape, you can place beneath the tree. Make Christmas, Nixmas, what the hell? Just don't give yourself a man a more complex device my gears move on your command and for spite if you want peace I've got a secret plan to end the war that I expand you can wrap me with these transcripts you can make a bow from tape twice elect Bow twice the strength, more computer and less game. If there's someone you want screwed, I'm your man, I mean I'm your android, I'm programmed all I need for Hoover is a dress, I mean that huckster's home address. Make this a Mary Dixon. Christmas, Christmas, and have me to kick around. I can guide you over seas of bears. I can shaft and yellow and brown. Or if you like, I can be drunk and obscene, a crazy uncle, or a racist machine, or I can be. CIC, Captain's Hog, Stardate today. Why, it's today, you fools. Lieutenant Commander Thomas Ashley Beauregard Coburn in command here. But, Doctor, you've got no authority to assume command. I don't even know how you got out of the brig. I see. That's just where you're plumb wrong. Your police command has gone and tasked us with a holy and righteous mission. A mission of seeking out and destroying demon-eared anti-Christmas fornicators. Who else would they want at the God's head as such a purely important operation? With all due respect, Doc, I think you may have that mixed up a bit. I say no. I most certainly do not. And who are you to say? You, sir, are polluted with the devilish misdeeds of Sodom. Your demon ears have been piqued by a siren called evil has belched out by the unholy snaky tongue of Lucifer. Like you, the planet below is stained with his hoof prints. He can be cleansed only by the bombs of Jesus. Um, Doc, if you hit the atmospheric dome with phasers or photon torpedoes, you risk rupturing it. Everyone inside will suffocate. Remember that the captain and his team are still down there. If you destroy them... Then our entire show's premise will be ripped apart. We'll be cancelled for sure. 
I say then, we'll be giving them life's greatest reward. It is written, let them be cast into the fiery clutches of Beelzebub, if not into the icy guest room of his conniving little Hamburglar helper. Let us all be space witness to this miraculous event. Fire those awe-inspiring messages, old Jesus, unholy mister. Um, and which messengers would those be, Doctor? The planet is red It's the brink of the morning In the Christmas dawn Just beam me down to that big holler. Christmas audience is down there. 
I'll sort this thing out all by myself, with my own hands, and with my own faith in corporate Jesus. We can't beam you down from the bridge. You'll have to go down to the transporter room. Must you thwart me in every ungodly turn? You, sir, will be cast into the lake of fire. Well, maybe we should just make an exception this one time and beam him down from the bridge. I then... I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so this is the Hall of Christmas Audiences. There doesn't seem to be much of an audience here today, does there? Seems like some of my campaign people must have goofed and maybe bust them to the wrong venue. <laughs> I'm sure they'll start packing the room somehow once they know I'm here. Perhaps bring in the kitchen staff and work out a clever placement of mirrors. Don't count on it, Willard. So what are we supposed to do now? Wait for the Santorum Hocus Pocus to start? You will be silent. The great wondrous governor is about to speak and judge you guilty of subverting the Christmas protocol on this planet. You will be converted into toys or into toy makers. Wow, but that's not fair. We went to the trouble of bringing a gift to your sin, Tiny Tom. You know, that horrid Christmas mascot thing. We even put a bow around Nixon and everything. It's brown and it matches his eyes. <laughs> Don't cry, Mr. Pearl. During my administration, there were plenty of times that I thought all was lost. And all that was left for me were the top secret codes that would start a nuclear war. Such an option could have brought utter and total devastation to my enemies, but likely cost my own life and the lives of my supporters and those I hold dear. Still, I nearly resorted to that five or six times. But, of course, I was too drunk to remember the codes. You know, you should see if there are any drinks around this place. There must be. It's Christmas. Well, there is a jar of something over there. Let me see if there's a label on it. Oh, my God! There's a baby in it! Yes, that must be Sin Tiny Todd, the uh, festive fetus of Noble Nine! It's Sin Tiny Tim, you idiot! Who ever heard of a Sin Tiny Todd? Pleased to meet you, Sin Tiny Tim! Ooh. Is the kid preserved in liquor by any chance? Hey, Christmas lawgivers, he's a too late for me to renounce my rebellious ways and maybe get a job working for you. I mean, do you get good benefits and have holidays off? Well, you probably don't get holidays off. What was I thinking? Never mind. You don't like me very much, do you? That's okay. I understand. I don't like me very much either. No, not really. Oh, behold. The coming of the Santorum. I think we've seen this flick already. Pearl, blast a hole through that wall with your phaser. Let's have a look at the projectionist. But I don't have a phaser. I thought you brought one. How exactly am I supposed to use a phaser? I don't have any hands. Well, you're pretty dexterous with that mouth of yours. For years, I thought it was because your horse trainer put peanut butter under your lips. But now that I know you, I can see that you can do it all without peanut butter or without any kind of jelly either. <laughs> you know, Mr. Ned, I only have the gun brought out when it's time to start shooting at small varmints. I didn't think there'd be the occasion to do that sort of thing neath the dome, so my people didn't pack it for me. Great spacemen we are. No ray guns. 
Oh, great. He is just what we need. Who called room service for crackers? I say, were you folks just taking Ronald Reagan's name in vain? Is there nothing sacred to you people? Well, I happen to have a gun, and it's one that my own pappy and grandpappy whittled out of some worm tree's twisted hide. I keep it handy at all times in order to do the work of Jesus. Well, Jesus really wants you to blast a hole through that wall. It's too late, Mr. Ned. The Santorum is here. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to you one and all. You know, back when they first set up this Christmas planet... Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm just gonna kick down the wall. Oh, my. Would you look at that? It's a Commodore 64 computer, and in beautiful condition. It's been souped up, though, and fitted with the usual panels of colorful lights. Seems that our audience can never get enough of those things. I see. Can this truly be the Santorum? I thought he had more of a conventional body. <laughs> well, he did when he ran against me. At least most of the time. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to everybody, and God bless. I am the Santorum, the governor of Ball 9, the great provider of Christmas law, and the father of this fatherland. For the good of the Christmas body, you must all be destroyed. For pleased to meet you, Mr. Santorum. Or should I say the computer that Santorum left behind here to run this place when the money was gone? Well, why would he bother to do that? Why not just leave with all the cash and let the colony fall into shambles on its own? I think that would be the normal procedure. That's what I would have done. He wanted to keep the Christmas facade up as long as he could to fool the Confederation into thinking that it was a workable model for other planets to emulate. He didn't fool me, though. That parsimonious pipsqueak. <laughs> you know, those are the exact qualities that I was looking for in a vice presidential running mate. And Rick only just barely lost out to, uh, what's his name? <laughs> That's funny. My memory used to be quite remarkable. I no longer need your consideration. I am perfection. I am the Santorum. Merry Christmas to you all. God bless. You will be destroyed. And then you will be made to pay the ultimate tribute to Sin Tiny Tim. Shouldn't we be destroyed after we pay tribute to Sin Tiny Tim? This antiquated vending machine isn't even going to put up a decent fight, is it? Merry Christmas to you all. You will be deleted and then saved. But first, please fix the Santorum. Put it out of its misery, Doc. Do something useful for once in your life. Why, these festive pickled piggies are good. You think that there are any more of them around in here? I just can't seem to stop at one. Doc, that wasn't a pickled piggy. That was the Santorum fetus. Santiny Toad, yuck! You just ate him after dipping him in some Cajun relish. You did it on Christmas Day of all days. Quick, throw up, or you'll have to go to hell. I say no, sir. It's nothing but a puffish meat trinket. Nobody goes to hell for getting rid of those follies. I once ate a whole abbey full of Vatican jerky. Taint never done me no harm. Willard, you know I'm not going to ask you where you got that tanker to orange soda. <laughs> well, there was a jar of it on the sacred table over there. It's not very good, though. <laughs> it's not very orangey. 
Just pour it on top of that computer. Do it now. It'll be my pleasure to use it to short out some other man's dream. Merry Christmas to you all. No, 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 no. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. No, no, no. No, I am shorting out. I am shorting out. Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer. Good work, Captain Willard. I guess that you're not completely useless. Now this crazy planet is rudderless, which is just the way the Confederation likes them. <laughs> Indeed, Mr. Ned. I've already instructed Lieutenant Vulturepy to come down here and start surveying the vacant toy factories. Confederate corporations should be quick to swoop in and take advantage of the groveling labor market down here. I'm sure that Bane could just smell the misery and is already on its way. <laughs> is that it, then? We are going to go from an autocratic strongman dictatorship to a corporatocracy. Will every other day still be Christmas? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I think that we can probably squeeze the 4th of July in there as well. Of course, back where I come from, every day is pretty much Christmas for the fabulously well-to-do. Merry Christmas to all. Um, we mean Merry Krispies. Please tell... What will happen to us without the Centaurum to guide us and to be served? Well, if I were you, I'd start thinking about collecting unemployment insurance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there is no such thing. Well, Merry Christmas to you anyway. Maybe you can get some temp work smashing would-be labor leaders' heads in with those toilet paper tubes. <laughs> Captain, won't the Palatians require some kind of government down here? I mean, fascist, of course. One that can facilitate our corporations and run the secret police. The nuts and bolts of government. You know, boring stuff like that. You're right, Mr. Pearl. <laughs> we'll need an entity down here that can stop any workers' revolts before they start. Mr. Ned, have Mr. Welsh get down here and see if he can get the Santorum computer working again. We'll put him in charge. The beauty of it is that he already knows the territory. Was this trip completely pointless, then? It sure seems like it. <laughs> Mr. Sulu, farter beam up. Aye, aye, sir. We're energizing. <laughs> Men, I think I'm going to sing us out. But, Captain, that might interfere with the transporter beam. We might end up materializing inside a bulkhead. After he sings another song, none of us are going to mind being inside a bulkhead. Dum, 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 dum. Just
paradise like men. It is done. Okay, so anyway. We're going to play a couple of songs here. Um, given the season, and this is the reason for the season, some of you may remember our 1999 album, uh, 2000 Years to Christmas. I'm going to play a selection off of that. A little number that's called Merry Christmas Jane 2. It's an acoustic-sounding bit sung by my brother Matt. Boy, that's hard to say, especially in the middle of the night. And uh, here it goes.
got splinters already. I'm so glad you're all here. I'm so glad we're all here. No, I'm more glad I am here. I'm glad we're here at Christmas time. No, I'm more, even more glad I'm here and you're here and we're here and we're all here and it's Christmas time. I think really I'm much more glad than you. I don't think so. I think you're a fat, fat fatty. I think you're a big piece of dung. <laughs> oh dear. You well, don't have to cry. <laughs> you don't have to cry, Mr. Pearl. <laughs> now we've been through that, Joe. We've been through that. We've done the Nixon thing. <laughs> and Agonu. <laughs> don't forget about Agonu. And Agonu. Agonu. <laughs> The agony of Agonu. The agony of his defeat. The agony of defeat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he was defeated. Yes. Yes. So, so, uh, so. Merry, Merry Christmas to all. Yes, here we are, holidays once again. Yes. Merry Christmas to all and to, to all a good, good night. Well, to not quite yet. You. To you. There we go. Uh, oh, that's beautiful. That's simply beautiful. Well, we've been sitting here listening to old recordings of us playing in ancient days. You now, think we're bad 30 now. 30 years ago. You may think we suck now. <laughs> but Wait until long, you hear. It took a long time to perfect that sucker, dude. <laughs> I know. It took us a lot of work to suck this band. It took okay? us 30 years of working in the coal mines, trying to, trying to mine out all that suck. <laughs> Sucking real hard. <laughs> trying to suck out all that blow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're sucking the blow yeah. anyway yeah uh old recordings um the commemoration of our old friend tim walsh who passed away this past month in november actually tim who played guitar with us back in the day yeah for several years between well let's see between 1979 and, well, the inception. The very beginning. The very beginning of very beginning. anything that could be called Big Green. Yeah. It wasn't called Big Green. Um, yeah, it was 1979 or so to, you know, interruptedly until like 85, yeah, 86. I so, 85, 86, I think, well, was the last time we played together. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So was that like... Six or seven. That was period. Formative years. Seemed like a long time. Well, you know, I was 16 when we started. So. He was only 16. I was only 16. I was very sweet then. Sweet. Not like I am now sour. Bitter, I was 20. Bitter lemon. Bitter sour. Bitter lemon. Because I met Tim, I think I was about 12 when I met Tim. I think so. I was pretty young, too. Because he came was... back for a visit. Or he came to visit us. And... You might have even been younger because I think I was younger than 16. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Jesus. Well, I remember I was still hanging out with a chief scientist-to-be of NASA. <laughs> so Walid Abdullati. So we Dr. Were... Walid. So I remember we were impressed because Tim was like a black belt in karate, taekwondo. And uh, so we were, we were having Tim, me and the chief scientist- at NASA to be, we're having 
Tim show us some of his moves and he was like throwing us around and we thought it was the funniest thing. We were having <laughs> so much fun. Waleed was very scientifically falling down and I was <laughs> I was much more haphazardly falling down. I seem to remember Tim going around the backyard doing kind of like knee kicks and kind of like going like this. Oh, yeah. You remember that? Well, nobody can see what you're doing on the Well, podcast, I'm showing Joe. you so that you can comment on it. Joe is like holding I know. his knee with his I hand. Know, and I know. I do everything wrong. And just to... <laughs> and when I try something, suddenly I'm wrong. <laughs> you're just like Charlie X, Joe. I don't know why I am or even who. Of course, uh, so we... Uh, <laughs> Several years later, after meeting Tim, after we weren't 11 years old anymore, <laughs> we started playing in a band together. When we stopped persistently being 11 years old. He was a few years graduated older. Graduated to 12. I guess he was probably around... He was a little older than Lisa, I think. Yeah, so it's like yeah. seven years older than me. So yeah, so been... probably a couple years older than me, a couple three. I can't do math, so he High was math. probably like 23 or something when we started the first band. Yeah. 22, 23-ish. Yeah. We shared some apartments out in Albany area um, and just played together. And some of these recordings, that <laughs> pieces of yeah, which we will include we in today's looking, podcast. We were looking through some... Ch- uh, listen, I just haphazardly pulled up some cassette tapes. I didn't have time to like, <laughs> find ones. That <laughs> I don't have time. Might be good. <laughs> we don't have time to find things that are good we just were looking for things that tim was playing on essentially and so i grabbed some right before i left to come over to joe's <laughs> hovel here <laughs> my hovel the cheney hammer mill and to come to the swill hovel swill hovel i brought my dual space orphans over to the swill <laughs> hovel it's the same and band. i was pricked by a wild barb needle <laughs> 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 but luckily, <laughs> Rex Bartholomew Gross came by. <laughs> Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. I, I always forgot him. <laughs> he had the most conventional name, too. I it sounded like an English lord, kind of. <laughs> Rex Bartholomew Gross. Yeah, I know. That's... Ladies and gentlemen, it's Rex Bartholomew Gross. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, yes. No, uh, Tim Welsh... Uh, used to specialize in uh <laughs> he specialized in different things at different times yes. Joe. yeah he would tell me famously oh you're using you're using those tiny picks those those tiny picks are really stupid you should you should be using a full-size pick only true you know musicians true guitar players use full-size picks and so okay i better do what true Guitar players do. <laughs> so I learn how to play with a different pick. And then the next thing I know, I look at Tim, he's playing with the tiniest pick I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, hey! And the same token, he told me, yeah, you shouldn't use, like, really slinky strings. You're using strings starting with, like, an 11. You should be using... I mean, you're or using like strings that start with a 9. You should yeah. be using strings that start with an 11. And so, okay, Tim. And it was like, you can't bend them at all, you know? Especially with my fingers. Well, his whole thing at that point was was true. You know, you could tune it up and it would yes. be true. And so, again, 
I'm using these big truck strings, and I look over <laughs> at Tim, and he has switched to the slinkiest string, starting with an eight. <laughs> Super slinky. He's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Then he and, got into his tube phase. He was like, everything, everything was kind of like, well, he kind of had a jazz sound for a long time, and then he, then he yes. said it. In the very beginning, when we were playing, he would not play rock solos. Right. Because he would let me do that because in the beginning I was playing guitar too and Joe was playing bass. Right. And um, and we didn't have a keyboard player. Badly. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a terrible band. And Tim, uh, there was a lot of tension between me and Tim in the beginning because he he looked at me and I was like completely undisciplined guitar player that, you know... I was a hack then. It was I'm still. It, I'm kind of a hack now. But. It was two guitar player syndrome. <laughs> yeah, but it was it. It was Tim was kind of more into jazz at the time, and so he he wouldn't kind of he he wouldn't consent to play solos and in rock songs, and so I would have to do the solos for the rock songs, which pretty terrible <laughs> so we would have essentially crosby still nash and young style like four hour long solos that don't really go anywhere <laughs> but anyway so where i'm going with this is a few years later tim is like playing the most raucous rock Guitar. Uh, he he bought a Mesa Boogie amp, and it was, it was completely like, distorted. And, and he like play one note, groove tubes in them, one note very happily. <laughs> <laughs> like what the? What happened? The guy was very prone to dramatic changeovers. Well, he had he had this he had this like tome. It was this this huge book that was called the. Lydian, it was like the the Lydian chromatic oh, method yeah, right. or something yeah. that he like <laughs> he dropped it with a thunk on on our table. <laughs> it was like <laughs> he was like talking about it. He was like really enthusiastic about this this method for you know, constructing a solo. Yeah, and I think he gave it to me. I brought it to my brother Mark, our brother Mark. Yeah, and. Mark was a you know jazz yes. musician, <laughs> a very need, accomplished musician. He, he didn't more, need a book. He, he play circles around play all of us, and like, <laughs> and, and it was, like, <laughs> and, and knew music theory really well. And early, I said, yeah, "Tim gave me this to give to you." He was like, "I can't make it. It's the tales of this. <laughs> this doesn't make any sense at all." <laughs> well, he used to in the beginning. He used to give me, he used to give me scales to play. Yeah, he used to give me homework essentially. It was the only band I was ever in that I had homework. In. Yeah, and I would, you know, sometimes I'd, yeah. I'd I'd try the scales and and because he would practice scales compulsively. Yeah, you know, he'd do this really complicated scale work and yeah, he pulled a Garth Hudson on you, where he'd be, <laughs> except he wouldn't be like charging no, he didn't you charge. He never charged. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it was <laughs> never charged. Garth would be charging, but yeah, yeah, Tim was. He Tim was, was a man nice. of many contradictions. He was a funny, funny man. Oh God, he could laugh at things. Bad movies, bad, bad television. Six million dollar man, Lost in Space, all the shows that we hold so dear. We had many. We would stay up very late, Tim and I, and listen to, watch and listen and laugh. 
We used to also take uh, nature walks. Tim liked nature. Yes, walks. he loved nature. Used, uh, he wasn't into you know identifying things like I got into, but he he liked to be out there. He just wanted to be amongst it. Yeah. yeah. Although who knows? Maybe later on he did because we kind of fell out of touch, and so the last twenty years or so, for all I know, he could have become an expert in identifying things. That's possible. <clears throat> it's possible. Yes. So, are we going to play one of these? <laughs> yes. Um, one of these. We've got a number Amazing. of selections. Uh, one is a Hendrix song that he plays a solo on. Yeah. And the other is Wind, Wind Cries Mary. Yeah. Why don't, we, why don't we play that one first? Okay.
that was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I just heard it. <laughs> now Tim wrote music too. I mean, so we don't. Yeah, he, yeah, he wrote just, some songs to suggest not to suggest that we had. It was kind of the beginning of songs. of his songwriting time because uh, both of you and I had been writing songs right for quite a long time, and Tim didn't really write songs, at least not much, until that period when we were uh, probably the 1984 period, right? Yeah, I should say that. And I'm gonna move your mic a little bit closer. So the songs that the songs that we had uh, we have on recording of his were his first songs yes as far as we know the first ones that we're aware of yeah i mean it's possible he wrote others but he he started writing i think because i mean you wrote you used to write a lot of songs i wrote a lot of songs but we didn't play my songs right in the beginning because i was writing those weird kind of pseudo elizabethan songs that nobody (laughs) could play and i couldn't play and nobody wanted to play it was even weirder than the weird stuff we were playing that was completely inaccessible to any known I audience. thought the turning point for you was like uh, Sweet Treason. Or something. Yeah, which came at the very end of the period we were playing with Tim. Right. So I didn't start writing things that were acceptable for a band until the end of the Tim period. It was good music, though. It just wasn't wasn't the same. You were the one that was writing songs that were accessible for the band. Yeah, but they were pretty crappy, mostly. It wasn't Wimpy Pop Drivel, Joe. It was Wimpy Pop Drivel. That's my name. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So why don't we play... Okay, Colors in the Darkness. There's like pieces of this. Um... Yeah, the first part of it is something that Tim did by himself, which is kind of a... Uh, he was... Yeah, this he was tracked before... It. We had any kind of four-track cassette recorder, so right, this essentially is like, bouncing two yeah. cassette recorders back and forth to right. over overdub. So it's very noisy. Yep, but it's legible. I mean, his his actually him doing it worked better than when I did it. I must say, because we just listened to it earlier and <laughs> it sounded more legible than I don't the know, I stuff thought your, I was doing. Your kazoo orchestra was a pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I once did a whole kazoo orchestra <laughs> bouncing tracks. <laughs> yeah, there must have been like fifty bouncing. Yes, it was <laughs> the Hall of Mirrors. Except instead of mirrors, it was kazoos. Yes. Yeah, that was the Destination Brain theme song. Yeah. Destination Space. Someday we'll dig that up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so here's. Okay, Colors in the Darkness. I am a free man. Thank you. 
Where is Mr. Kima? I am Mr. Kima. So, at the end of that song, it cuts in to the band playing his song, which is really bizarre. <laughs> it I sounds know. like you don't really hear some of the instruments. <laughs> right. Can't really hear the piano very well in there, can you? It sounds pretty heavy bass drum. Yeah. Okay. Part of it is him multi-tracking. We may or may not play that. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's say that we are. <laughs> what if we are? <laughs> what if we are? Thank you, Captain Gork. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Okay. Here we go. Anyway. Oh, Christmas time. Cheer. Yeah. Well, now, this is Joe, and uh, it's days later after I talked to Matt, and uh, so I'm going to insert, unbeknownst to my brother Matt, another song. Um, it's called um, Nothing to Hide. It's a song written by Tim, performed by Tim, and uh, with our band at the time, which was called alternatively um, Slapstick, and we called ourselves Mirth, and we called ourselves Bacon, and we called ourselves 15 other things. But anyway, that's what we have. And uh, this is called, this is called, once again, it's called um, Nothing to Hide, Tim Walsh on vocals, guitar, my brother Matt on bass, myself on keyboards, and the unredoubtable Phil Ross on drums. Um, who is still playing out there somewhere. So here it is. Sorry, Matt.
do it. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently we did, yes. Bluto did it. And we enjoyed it very much. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So. So. Okay, so uh, I guess we played all our the songs that we managed to find, right? That appears to be the case. So we did used to play out with Tim, uh, although not a real lot. We played around the Albany area some. I don't think we played much in Utica, did we? A few times. No, like our first job was Utica College, right? <laughs> yes. Part of me thinks that job is still going on. I think part of it still is going on. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one where we took like 10 minutes between each song. <laughs> No one knows why. It's like, do we not know when we're going to play next? <laughs> we were learning the songs in between. Yeah. And it was being broadcast over the radio, too. Which is funny, yeah, it was on WPNR. Thing. Yeah, which yeah. still broadcasts. Yeah. You hear the announcer come on saying, well, I think they're just about finished there. <laughs> Joe Perry Group. It's the Joe Perry Group. Thank God they didn't associate with my name. Well, unfortunately, I was a... <laughs> I was a student there at the time, <laughs> so was, they knew exactly who I was <laughs> because I had asked for the gig. In yeah. fact, I saw Kay Hobika the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Does she want to hire us again, Joe? I, if she could, she would. <laughs> <laughs> Kay was always like throwing us a bone. <laughs> yeah, she gave us a few jobs. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Whenever I saw her, she was like, Would you like to play? I'm like, Sure, I didn't even have to <laughs> ask. Really, she was like, "You want you want to play?" I remember like, playing there. Okay, I think twice or three times. Three times. Well, we played there as a duo once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we also played with a full band there a couple times. And we played with um, one of our permutations of of the of that '90s band that we played with. Mm-hmm. I think we played there with Steve Bennett. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I was like 91 maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And of course we ended up on PNR with with Mike Cusinelli. Oh yeah. Who's right. an A&R right. guy yeah. now. We didn't we didn't perform, but we No, we didn't. We played a lot played of our four track songs at that time. Yeah. That was long after cuz we made a we made a like a little record from four track recordings. Yes. Yeah, that was when we were already big green, right? Yeah, we were big green then. We were big and green. We were big and green. Yeah. So, yep, we lost him. I'm sorry to say. Yep. And he was a good guy. Hadn't talked to him in a while. We we kind of connected on uh, Facebook. Facebook fairly recently. Yeah. Last couple of years. And ha- have you contacted Phil? Have you talked to Phil at all? I sent Phil a Facebook message, uh-huh. and I haven't heard back from him. I don't know how often he checks it. Yeah, he might not. Because it's the only way I have to get in touch with him. I really yeah. don't don't know. But, well, Phil, if you're listening to this, <laughs> he isn't. check your Facebook messages, for Christ's sake, man. He isn't listening to He's this. He's not listening He's to this. He's got a real life. He's got a life and a family. <laughs> ah, he's got Sorry. a life. Sure, and he's got a life and a family. In you Ireland. shouldn't be bothering him. He's got a life in Ireland. For some reason. <laughs> for some reason, he's in Ireland. <laughs> he's in stereotypical Ireland. 
<laughs> With a little bit of pirate. <laughs> a wee bit of pirate. He's, he, he's a bird, a pirate scowl. Parts outside. Anchored right outside Ireland. Of Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. Uh, you got yourself your Finland. Your Finland. And your Ireland. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so. so Merry Christmas to all anyway, of you. Anyway, yes, that sorry. Happy, to, happy. Christmas sorry to bring to this you. happy occasion to such a sour note, but yeah. Well, we could have talked about Nelson Mandela, I guess, but yes. you've probably all heard by now. You've probably <laughs> all heard about it. Yes, so yes. we we won't talk about how we also thought he was a terrorist. <laughs> he was a terrorist. We agreed with Dick Cheney. <laughs> Cheney was right. Lawgivers. Cheney was, Cheney was right. Cheney was right. Cheney was right. Line up the line. He pointed out who was a liar and who wasn't. <laughs> Ronald Reagan, you were right. <laughs> Maggie Thatcher, you were right. Constructive engagement was the policy to follow. Jim Kirkpatrick, you were right. Thank you for blowing up Angola. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bugger. Well, we couldn't remove the advisors. It'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So we wandered a bit. From yes, Christmas, we did indeed. Our Christmas theme. I should just say, and I think I might have mentioned this on our Facebook page, that Oh, on my Facebook page. That the other day I was driving to work and I was behind a cop car, and I looked at the license plate and it was car fifty four. <laughs> I thought that was important to mention. Did your radio back where it was? Officer Tootie at the. Uh... <laughs> that was a television show uh, from the nineteen fifties. Ask your 60s. grandmother. Ask your grandma. When the hell was that on? Late 50s? 1960s. Oh, 1960s. That yeah. Way. Yeah, because they were talking about Khrushchev and Idlewild. And oh, you're right. Yeah. In the theme. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scout troop lesson. Well, no. Khrushchev, didn't he start in the 50s? Late he did 50s? start in the 50s, but it was, it was a 60s yeah, show because they were talking about, I mean, Idlewild, I think they only, I mean, when did they build that? I don't freaking know, Joe. They didn't build that. I've got to go look at the time. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Anyway. Wrapping this up here. Merry Christmas Happy to Christmas. all of you. I don't, we'll have a show next month. I don't have a <laughs> piano. I don't have a piano or else I would play something Christmas. play us out. It's time for us to go. Oh, it's, it's time, time for us to go. go. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. Uh-huh. I'll throw some wooden balls in the box. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Have yourself. Play one of our, one of our Christmas songs to play us out. Yes. One of our many Christmas songs. Hope you enjoyed. Good night. Good night to ding ding ding. And a Merry Christmas. Merry Good night. Good night.
Well, that's it. Another Christmas gone. This is Big Green brought to you by the Koch Brothers. No, not really. They still haven't sent us that money. Have to go to Kickstarter or something. Start crowdsourcing our Koch Brothers money. Anyway, this is Big Green found at big-green.net. Follow us on Twitter at Big Green Joe. We've got all kinds of aliases. God knows who we are next week, or even this week. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas.